It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 22nd of June. Grayson Allen is the pick. That's how you make a 21st pick of a draft. Interesting. Get the most polarizing figure in the whole draft. We'll look at how the draft went down. We'll discuss who Grayson Allen is as a player. And we'll look over the entire draft. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look behind the curtains the day after the draft. Hope you're doing great. Today's show brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai as well as Intercap Lending. All right, so the Jazz have drafted Grayson Allen, a six foot four, six foot five combo guard who can play both the one and the two. He's mature, old, uh, has is actually the exact same age as Dante Exum. Has played four years of college and has been scrutinized at an incredible level. So let me, I want to talk about the draft process, uh, how the day went down. I think that's part of the fun. Then break down Allen and then uh, get into the whole draft. I, I, I want to start on this note, though. So there is a million opinions about Grayson Allen because he did something that's rare. He spent four years playing at the most recognizable college in the country. there in the, in the recent time, there has probably not been a prospect that has been seen this much. And some of it's bad. Right? You got the trips and some tantrums and some various things. They're not great. Yeah, it's four years of... We also have Duke fans who were pretty loud, who after his sophomore year when he was really incredibly brilliant, then didn't quite turn on him, but I think felt as though there was more and they were always wanting more. And so you hear some of the Duke fans that are critical. And then there's Duke haters. So this is probably the singular most scrutinized collegiate athlete that we've seen in, I'm trying to think back, of just a high, most recognizable first-round pick, national champion winner, controversy a little bit on him as well, that we've had that's been four years in college in the last, I've went back this morning, I can't find one. So I don't know how long it's been. When you have that level of scrutiny, and you have that much video out there, we can all find something wrong. So I'm trying, we'll try to give you an honest breakdown assessment of a guy that I think is really good. Two I would have picked at 21. That was pretty clear. If you've listened to Locked on Jazz for the last three weeks, that's pretty clear. Uh, that that's who I would have picked. Let's walk through how the night went uh, from a jazz standpoint. So yesterday we we broke down on the show for you that you're you know the draft starts at twelve 
when Miles or 14 when Miles Bridges goes to Denver. That didn't happen. Bridges went earlier. He went to the Clippers. Uh, Jerome Robinson ended up being the high riser of the night going to 13. And then Michael Porter slides to 14. We'll give you more on Porter. But this is then where the draft, still the basic players, all of the players we anticipated to be gone at that point were gone other than Lonnie Walker's medical issues meant that he slid out of 13. So Jerome Robinson, who some of the Jazz were interested in, had in for workout, goes 13, he's off the board. The key to the draft for the night was Washington takes Troy Brown and the Suns take Zaire Smith and then trade him. I'm not sure I understand Zaire Smith in Philadelphia, by the way. He's an incredible athlete, but doesn't have a lot of game and can't shoot so or hasn't shown an ability to shoot yet. So the Jazz now, Robinson's gone. Dante DiVincenzo goes pretty early to Milwaukee at 17. Things are nerve-wracking if you're the Jazz at this point. So if you're the Jazz, your board, I don't know exactly what their board was, but you can kind of figure out that Kevin Herter, Dante DiVincenzo, Grayson Allen, Ellie Okubo, Jerome Robinson were kind of your five guys. That's kind of how it felt, at least to me. That Jerome Robinson, Kevin Herter, and frankly, the night before the draft, walking through the draft with some people around the league, there was a pretty common scenario where Jerome Robinson, Dante DiVincenzo, Kevin Herter, and Grayson Allen were all off the board. And I think that was the worst case scenario for the Jazz. Like, I think those, in my mind, those were the four guys. I don't know. This is my mind. I didn't know what he in the building told me that. But there was a scenario where I walked through with three different guys the night before around the league where it felt as though there was Troy Brown was going to slip out of this and all of a sudden DiVincenzo, Herter, Allen, and Robinson all gone. So when Brown goes 15, that feels good. When Smith goes 16, that feels good. Then DiVincenzo goes 17, you're like, oh, no. Because if Herter goes 18... To San Antonio, which many of us thought, Minnesota had zeroed in on DiVincenzo. Were they going to go Grayson Allen? And was Atlanta going to go Grayson Allen? If having already taken Trey Young, probably not. But they're cert- when the Spurs take Lonnie Walker, now Kevin Herter is going to go to Atlanta. You just That's guaranteed. So Herter doesn't get to the Jazz. DiVincenzo doesn't get to the Jazz. Now Minnesota's on the board at 20 with a very similar decision to what the Utah Jazz have. I mean, there's just this run of shooting guards that are going to go. And they take Josh Okoji, who's interesting. He's seven-foot wingspan, not really refined. Aaron Holiday slides out of this area of the draft. He didn't really match what the Jazz are looking for. Nice player, though. And the Jazz take Grayson Allen. The next player that you might have been interested in if you were the Jazz, doesn't go in the first round, Eli Okubo, which tells you that there was really a little bit of a drop after if you're, those four guys that we're talking about, Jerome Robinson, Kevin Herter, Dante DiVincenzo, Grayson Allen, there's a drop. Uh, Landry Shamit, who I like a lot because he was the best shooter in the draft, but was... 
is not an athlete, doesn't have a lot of wiggle, is the next kind of guard taken. Anthony Simmons, who's interesting, uh, Portland took him, he didn't play any college, you better know he's going to work. He's not on our timeline. That's not that's not a jazz pick right there. He's not. That's not who. So suddenly, if you actually walk, look at the draft, Jacob Evans is okay. At, he'll probably work for the Warriors just because that's an easy place to play. Um, the draft was a, really a Minnesota pick away from I don't know what the Jazz do at twenty-one. So the way the draft played is particularly interesting last night. Aaron Holiday being the slider that allowed the Jazz to still have someone. Josh Koji probably jumping up a little bit. My guy Mo Wagner went 23, 25 to the Lakers. Just go Mo Wagner. I have a buddy who's a league exec. He's put his flag on Jalen Brunson. I've put my flag on Mo Wagner. I think we both might regret it before it's over. But that's the way the draft played out. We'll talk about Grayson Allen and let me break down Grayson Allen for you and all the things to his game uh, when we continue on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South Street, State Street in Murray and in Linden. Uh, I think that what I've learned is as a 47-year-old, Hyundai's a funky brand for me to understand and learn. For those of you that are younger, smarter, have been around it, you know. You know it's high quality, less expensive, all the bells and whistles, 100,000-mile Hyundai Assurance Warranty along with your, uh, then if you're with the Murdochs, you have the Murdoch no regrets policy. You know. You guys are smarter, younger. You understand the Hyundai brand. I've just learned it, and boy, am I impressed. Just bought a Santa Fe for the family with all the bells, all the safety whistles. Driving the Kona, which is their small SUV, previously loved it. The, the Elantra sedan was just pure luxury. It's just an incredible lineup of cars. Every bell and whistle. Great safety standards, 100,000-mile Hyundai Assurance, and you're dealing with the Murdoch family, which is just a dream. 4646 South State Street in Murray, also in Linden. Say hi to Blake for me when you get down there. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. 
Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, so Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen is a combo guard, and that means he can play both the point guard and the shooting guard for the Jazz, which gels perfectly because... Donovan Mitchell is not really a point guard, but can play with the ball in his hands. So we've talked all, what do you want next to Donovan Mitchell? One of the things I think you want next to Donovan Mitchell is someone who can handle to relieve the pressure on him, who can play on the weak side, who can attack the basket, and who can shoot it. And I I think that's what the Jazz got in Grayson Allen. Uh, I'm not sure that I buy in on two of the criticisms entirely on him from watching him. And again, I don't watch college basketball. I've only watched film of him over the last month and a half. And every time I watch him, I like him more. Let me, let's address the criticisms of Grayson Allen that are out there. And there seem to be Probably three. Uh, It's kind of the wrong way to do this, to go criticism first, but for those of you that are kind of highly knowledgeable, big-time fans, that's what you're hearing. That's what you want to know. For those of you that are coming to Locked on Jazz today that aren't regulars, I welcome you, and I appreciate you, and I'll try to explain just the basic of his game as well. So the basics of his game can play both with the ball, without the ball, as a guard. His testing is that he's an elite, elite athlete. 40.5-inch vertical jump, one of the best uh, shuttle times, one of the best three-quarters court, all sorts of things of that nature. Elite-level athlete. He played soccer, I believe, through his sophomore year in Florida, which I like. I like multiple sport athletes for as long as they can. So the three criticisms are a lack of shooting, that his athleticism doesn't show when he's on the floor, and a lack of defense. I can't say, let's go with the first one. The lack of athleticism, or I don't know which one I order I did, but the lack of athleticism showing. I don't agree with that. When I watch him, athleticism to me shows in different manners. He gets almost every 50-50 ball. That's 
speed, quickness, getting the loose ball. He gets almost all of them. Uh, he's on the floor to go get him, as we saw as Donovan Mitchell slapped him in the face a year ago. He's in, on a 50-50 ball he actually, I don't think, got. Um, that That's where I see the athleticism. Um, he is not a vertical jumper on the move in the paint in traffic. That is true. When he drives to the basket and he gets wide, he's not able to go up and over people and just pack it. That's not a skill. So that on some of his drives to the basket, he gets himself in trouble in the paint because he can't get up and over people. That's totally legit. There aren't a lot of guys that can do that. That's in fairness. Uh, And we've watched a lot of that, actually. Donovan struggled with that early last year, kind of evolved around it. Gordon couldn't get up for a long time up over people. Um, Grayson's old, so he's 23, so he's not going to have quite the same developmental rise as some other guys. Um, But I think as he gets stronger, he might learn some of that, but he also just might not. Like, there are not a lot of guys in this league, and that's what makes them really special, who can go get in the middle of the paint, put a single foot down, get up over the top people and pack it. He's not that. So that is fair. His drive game in traffic coming from the top gets at times gets clogged up, and he, he has a hard time in that area. What's important to note is I don't think that's what he's going to be doing a great deal in the pro game, and I'll explain that in a minute. The second one that there's been some criticism is of his shooting. So last year, he missed an inordinate amount of open catch-and-shoot shots. Really strange, actually. So he was 20 of 66 on open catch-and-shoot threes for an effective field goal percentage of 44%. The prior year, his effective field goal percentage was 68%. And the prior year before that, his effective field goal percentage was 68%. Okay, so in a sample size of 66 shots, you're going to decide he can't shoot. Not, not sure I agree with you on that one. Not sure I think that's a large enough sample size to make that kind of impact. He went, his sophomore year, he goes 29 of 63. His junior year, he went 25 of 55, and this year, he went 20 of 66, okay? Absolutely, this year, his inability to make open looks was strange and an outlier. And if you want to take your sample size of being simply one year and ignore the previous whatever amount of shots, 100 and some odd shots, then you can do that. That That's that's up to you. But for his career, which is almost all threes, his catch-and-shoot threes is about 40%, a little higher. His catch-and-shoot game overall is interesting, too, because what he did this year is he was unbelievable at making contested catch-and-shoot shots. He missed open ones, but he made contested. He was 38 of 82, 1.39 points per shot. And guess what? The year prior, he was terrible at it. 0.85 points per shot. The year before that, 
He was great at it. I think he played around with some adjustments of what he's able to get, what shots he's able to take, and where he's getting his shots. But overall, if you take his last three years as a player, all these numbers come out pretty good as a shooter. He's going to have to shoot if he's going to play in the league. No different than anybody else playing that position. But the criticism of his shooting is simply catch and open catch and shoots last year. Just it. Like a weird anomaly there. Back to the other criticism. He's not great at the rim. He was 15 to 36 this year, 42%, which is low. He was 53 the year before that and 53 the year before that. What's interesting about his rim numbers is how his game changed over three years in which variation of this we're going to see in Utah. In his sophomore year, the one year in which Duke only played one big and had an open floor for him. Pretty important note. I mean, this last year Duke had Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley, two top ten picks, neither with any range, both playing in the middle of the paint all every game. And then when one of them was injured in one of the games I watched, Allen was actually a great deal better, but even moreover, they played another big. Kind of kind of crazy. In the sixteen seventeen season, he's got Jason Tatum suddenly doing a ton of that work. And not to mention that this year, by the way, Grayson Allen was the one senior with four sophomores or four freshmen. And last year, he's got a team that's, you know, totally turned over as well. Frank Jackson didn't play, played 36 games before he got hurt. Luke Kennard, Jason Tatum, Emil Jefferson, you're playing two bigs again. I mean, he's been loaded around talent. You go back to the prior year, his sophomore year, when he had his best numbers, is the one year in which he's playing with a single big. And then his freshman year, they win the national title. But the team that he has his most success with is Marshall Plumley in the middle, Brandon Ingram playing on the outside, Luke Kennard playing on the outside, Grayson Allen playing on the outside. Kennard only started a few games. Matt Jones and Derek Thornton, who you don't remember, don't call, but Jones was a 6'5 guard. In that year, Corey Alexander, the former NBA player of Virginia, now broadcaster, called him Crash. He shot 133 shots at the rim. In 16-17, he took 58, and last year he took 36. Now, that's worth keeping an eye on. Is that a trend of a guy who's no longer going to the rim? Is that a guy who figured I didn't have the athleticism to get to the rim? Or is that a case of a floor being spaced in a manner in which he couldn't get to the rim anymore and he adjusted his game? His off-the-bounce dribble game suddenly became really prevalent. And that may be him learning and adjusting that he's not an elite athlete who gets to the basket. It also might be him adjusting to the fact that there just aren't those same opportunities. Because Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter are there. 
Now, why? So those, those are the three criticisms. The defense is the last one. I, I think it's garbage. We'll see. But nobody in college can defend. The game's so different. Kyrie Thomas is the two-time defensive player of the year in his conference. I watched him. I didn't think he's defending. You're picking your spots to criticize if you want to. I watched him. Jerome Robinson couldn't get the ball up the floor against Grayson Allen. Couldn't do it. Grayson Allen got in his shorts, stripped him the first time, bothered him the next time, picked him again four possessions later. Sure, there's a play where he has a terrible closeout on Jerome Jerome Robinson. That's yeah, it's there. A lot of college players are there. Particularly a lot of college players are playing 37 minutes a night. I'm sure I can go find Donovan Louisville tape that doesn't that he was such a gambler he was all over the place. I mean I know I've seen it. We'll see if he can defend. Is he going to get outmanned by Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard? Sure, so is everyone. But I'm not sure that I buy. The only area where I buy this idea that his he has no this this bullcrap functional athleticism is that he's not able to go into traffic in the middle lane, plant a foot, rise up over people and dunk. That is accurate. And please tell me how many guys do. But that's not something he can do, despite the fact he has a forty inch vertical jump, despite the fact he has lat the three-quarter court, despite the fact he's got the lateral agility drill numbers, he cannot drive in traffic, particularly when spread out, put down that foot, and go up and over the top people. Can't do it. All right. So he's not the greatest rim finisher. But let's touch on that from a different angle in a second. Today's show is brought to you in part by Intercap Lending. Intercap Lending is who we did our... Uh, mortgage with and really had a fabulous experience with uh, the Steve Carter and the crew there. 40 years in the business, now in Utah and uh, serving the whole country, but they've moved to Utah. Josh Romney uh, brought them to Utah. They've got over 200 people in the Utah headquarters that they're uh, employing. So when I met with them the very first time and, and decided to do my mortgage with them, I asked, why is my experience going to be different? You know, like what separates you? So the first thing is they're a direct issuer, which allows them, they have a long-term relationship. Our mortgage is still with them right now. They service their own loan, gives you better customer service, gives them. So the second thing is they're hyper-responsive. That is so true. They do their hyper-responsive with two aspects. One, Steve Carter was amazing. You can call him at 385-885-28. Two or three is that they embrace change. And they show their embrace change by their way they use their app and technology. The Intercap Lending app is terrific. We did most of the work on there. Steve Carter told me at the beginning it's going to be ordered. Try to make this as simple as ordering a pizza with a few government regulations. That's exactly what they did. And the fourth thing that separated them is that by having these, the borrower experience is better. And I would agree. It was terrific. Intercap Lending. NMLS 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Call Steve Carter at 385-885-28. And if you do your loan with Intercap Lending, they will do your appraisal for free. Intercap Lending. Steve Carter, 385-885-28.
The NBA restart has its first big injury. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Orlando Magic forward Jonathan Isaac suffered a torn ACL in his left knee on Sunday. Listen to Locked On Magic for where Isaac and Orlando goes from here. To the ice. The qualifying series in the NHL are on, and the Minnesota Wild began with a 3-0 win over the Canucks. Joe Bully and Tony Abbott of Locked On Wild have a victory recap, and the Locked On NHL podcast has Western Conference playoff predictions. And finally, as college football conferences around the country try to figure out how they are going to restart, a group of Pac-12 players is demanding safety protocols and threatening to opt out of the season. I would point you to Locked On Big Ten podcast and a very interesting discussion on creative solutions to solve college football's mounting problems. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On Podcast Network is home to the number one daily NBA podcast, Locked On NBA. No team that relies on any single player like the Rockets rely on Harden or have historically relied on Harden has ever had any kind of realistic title aspirations. They might already have a window closed on them before it's even actually opened in Orlando. It's just not realistic for a team to rely on a single player there and be able to win a championship. When you want the biggest stories and the best NBA talk before it's old news, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every day, wherever you get your podcasts. So we're, I'm probably not going to be able to get to a whole breakdown of the draft, but I, I'll try to give you a few things. So here's the thing on Allen, on all this analysis. Now how's he going to be used in Utah? He is going to be predominantly a weak side player. In other words, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, Ricky Rubio are running off a pick and roll, and he's the weak side defender or offensive player. So now what is he? He's a catch and shoot guy. I think he'll be really good at. He's a attack, a closeout guy, which is where the athleticism now shows. He's coming from, it's a very different game if you come from an angle than if you come from the top with the ball in your hand every play. We saw that with Donovan last year. And Donovan adjusted and got better because he's just incredible. But coming from the angles is a very different game. Quick first step, he has it. Burst, he has it. Elevation in space, has it. Catch and shoot game, I think you'll see it. I'm not, I'm not particularly worried about the one-year anomaly of 66 shots. So now you have a guy who can play either guard position, at times can hold down the point guard if you want to, and he'll be a, a little less dynamic in those times. He'll be more stationary, working the game, getting the system going for the Jazz. And then the time where he's off the ball, and in many of those cases, if you're on the floor as the primary ball handler relieving Donovan, you're getting into a set and then getting to the weak side. He's coming off picks, strong enough, he's mature enough, he's making those curls and those cuts, and I think the system will work really, really well for him. Like, do I, I don't think he's Donovan. I think he'll be good. I really don't have any doubt he'll be good. He was the pick. He's the unquestionably the right pick at that moment. We'll see over time. His idea that he's old is less of a problem when you're picking 23rd than if you're picking 7th. His upside is probably a little limited. And what that means is 
the player we get in the next two years is going to be close to the player we get. And I think he'll be good. He's going to play off the ball on that with guys closing out on him, attacking closeouts, creating action, getting the blender going, and he'll be it'll be right up his alley. And he plays hard. And playing hard is a skill that matters. All right, let me quickly run through the draft. I will be able to get to it. Um So I think obviously Dallas went and got their guy, which I think is just tremendous. Really curious to see what happens with Trey Young in Atlanta. But that's interesting because Atlanta's GM is a Golden State Warrior guy, so they're clearly trying to use the Steph Curry model there. Um, I'm curious to watch how Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen go together. That just doesn't naturally fit to me. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, The Mikel Bridges story is brutal. I mean, brutal. He gets drafted by the 76ers. His mom works for the 76ers. It is the it is the most poignant moment of the draft. You you can't help but be happy for him. And then they traded him. Woo. Uh, Clippers did some interesting things getting uh, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Miles Bridges. Or did they end up trading? No, they traded him out. And Jerome Robinson. Um, I like Miles Bridges, by the way, for Charlotte. So Denver is getting all sorts of praise for Michael Porter at 14. I haven't seen his medicals. I don't know anything. I do know I talked to someone in the league who thinks he has to have back surgery and is going to miss the season. So they drafted a guy who's incredibly talented who might be having a second back surgery, who might miss the season. Let's see. That might be wrong. But that's why he dropped. Is because that was the feeling around the league on draft morning. Uh, I'm not in love with Troy Smith or Zaire or Troy Brown or Zaire Smith. I'll be really curious to watch them as someone who's trying to learn whether I know how to evaluate players um, and see where they, what they do. Um, I liked Grayson Allen more than Dante DiVincenzo. So we'll be interesting to see watching those two guys to see how they play out, how that plays out. Uh, I was a big Mo Wagner fan. I'll be curious to see how he does with the Lakers. And I like, and Landry Shamit peaked out on my numbers for shots. Um, like, really peaked out. And it's interesting to see that both Wagner and Spellman, who I think in the years past would never have gone anywhere, both went in the first round just because they can shoot and are bigs. Uh, Dallas getting Jalen Brunson as well is an interesting pick. He's just really, really, really solid. I like Portland acquiring Gary Trent Jr. We're also in the sec- deep in the second round now where many of these guys uh, won't do a lot. I like DeAnthony Melton. I thought that – I think that – somebody traded um, – Houston, I think, traded for DeAnthony Melton from Miami. I like that pick. It – Winners of the draft, I think, is a funny thing. Um, ESPN just deemed anybody a winner who got a player at a higher level than they ranked them. Um, or, you know, I'm not sure. I think I think Jaron Jackson Jr. could be terrific. I think Memphis is a big winner. And the guys who win are the guys who take early. Trey Young is a hell of a gamble by Atlanta. Uh, and Miles Bridges was the player I said all week in that second tier that I liked the most. 
and I'm super curious to watch the collection of guys who we looked at in this draft who all felt very, very similar with different skills to see which ones pan out and which ones don't. And situation will be a large part of it. That is Locked On Jazz today. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Get the latest on LockedOnJazz.net. If I get time today, I'll try to write up some stories. I think it's unlikely I'll have time today, but maybe I have something for you tomorrow. Uh, be interested to hear your thoughts and your comments. As the Jazz add Grayson Allen, Summer League could be incredible with Trey Young, Grayson Allen, all, all, all there, uh, and Jaron Jackson. Could be incredible. Looking forward to it. Talk to you soon. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.